What's up, Rugo Radio? I'm here with my guy, DJ Pierre. How are you doing today, Mr. Hey, what's going Pierre? on, Queen? Queen, <laughs> love to be here, you know. It's just, I'm, I'm thankful you have me on your platform to discuss this issue. Oh, yeah, I definitely feel like this is something that we need to do more of is just have a lot of community discussions about what's going on, what we need to do, and how we can unify as allies and as people and as a community. Absolutely. You know, it brings us together as well. So I, I think we need to be more in tune. And the, the best way to go about it is to have like a show like yours. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Now, um, a little bit of backstory about DJ Pierre. DJ Pierre is very, very famous. Uh, I guess techno, <laughs> acid house, acid, acid house, right? Yeah, electronic yeah. music, acid very house, techno, house music, you know. Well, you know, you have to specify because when people think Chicago and Detroit, yeah, no, we know what that means. But some younger people and and some people that aren't in the scene, right. they may they think that techno and EDM is like a bunch of different kind of stuff. They don't really understand. Well, you know, it's funny. It is correct and incorrect because it's just the fact that they call it EDM just to kind of put it all in in one box. But really, uh, techno house and acid house is more like the underground areas of that kind of music. So we like the soldiers out there and uh, the innovators and, and uh, the forefathers who created this whole sound and stuff. Yeah, so other people that are from the same place as DJ Pierre are people like Richie Houghton, Derek yeah. May, yeah, yeah, Juan yeah. Atkins, right, right, go on right. and on and on. Yeah, so, people like that, absolutely. Yeah, so it's definitely a pleasure to have you here and to be able to call you my friend. You do live in Atlanta. How long have you lived in Atlanta? Oh, man. Okay. You know what? Wow. I've been saying like eight, eight years for like four years. So, <laughs> so I think I'm here like, 12 years or, or 10 or something. I, I'm not really sure, but something like that. Okay. But time kind of flew by. In the first five years, I think I was just a hermit. I don't think I really went out much and did anything. Okay, so having a Black-owned business in Atlanta, what are some of the challenges that you overcame when Wild Pitches opened? Well, it was um it was interesting because um i i wanted to open up a venue that um would connect more to the the underground techno house acid house scene here in atlanta so that's why i actually did but i also wanted it to be a a, a space that all creators from producers to singers to uh promoters could say hey this is kind of like a place by us for us when i say by us for us i mean simply by us artists it doesn't matter the color or anything it's just a matter of we're artists and if someone if an artist owns a venue they they will work with you differently because they're they're also an artist and a producer so they understand the the troubles and trials and tribulations in trying to put on events or get yourself out there and it may not be a lot of money to be made so I was never really so worried about the bottom line, whereas most other venues, that's all they're worried about is the bottom line. So uh, that's why I had um, opened up uh, Wild Pitch and just kind of wanted to, to give this thing uh, to the community. So um, 
we did that. And the only drawback from that is, is when you do that, people, when they do business with you, they tend to forget that that's what is going on. So when you're doing business, keep that in mind. Don't do business like you're doing business with the other guy. And then when you come over here, I'm going over and beyond to, to kind of be in your corner, but you're not doing the same back. And I think it's a, what happens is people forget. They like, they don't, they don't remember that. Oh, that's right. This is an artist like myself. So he's about the same thing I'm about. And I think that was an issue for maybe the first two years. And then after that, we really started flowing and um, things got much better and people started, we, we found a balance in how to work with each other. Okay. All right. So do you guys have- And you DJ there. That's where I did. I like the times. Yeah, that was like one of my favorite places to DJ. It really, really was. I loved the thing that you guys had on the wall with all the different family tree and the whole like evolution of electronic music and drum and bass right. and everything like that. So that was amazing. And you guys have other locations now that you've opened up now that Wild Pitch is gone, right? Well, you know what? We were trying to actually embark on that, but what happened is, I mean, the team was my wife and I, and then we kind of split up. So once we split up, that whole thing just kind of stopped for a minute. But mm -hmm. now what I'm doing is, it's starting to, well, I'm not doing it now because COVID-19 came into play, but I was in the middle of doing another venue, had the location, was putting it all together, and then this came in and it just messed up 2020 for that whole plan. So I guess when we reset after all this, um, hopefully, uh, God willing, I'll be able to jump back in that and we do something else here that's actually now I have a, a bigger vision, you know, instead of it just being about underground house techno and, and asset house. Now I want to open it up to just be underground music period like like just build a space that is about that and for us artists producers and promoters and stuff okay well said so one thing that i always liked about you was that on instagram and on our social media there was never a day or never a week that you did not send me you know what was going on around the country with the brutality against black people in america yeah. So how long have you been an activist and been deep into spreading the word out? You know, I first went to Europe in, in 1990. And um, when, after, after going over there and, and, and what happened to us in Chicago in terms of almost a colonization of our music, you know, on one hand, we needed the Europeans to rally behind our music because it wasn't happening here in America. But what ended up happening is them getting behind it, but then trying to take ownership in terms of it was all about their involvement and what they have added to the music. And all of a sudden we were kind of pushed to the back, which kind of like didn't bode well with me. And then being from the U.S., Chicago in particular, dealing with all sorts of uh, segregation and racism, I just felt like, okay, I'm not, I'm not having this. So I was more or less the mouthy person. 
you know, in terms of always saying something, always correcting someone, always setting the record straight. And when you're that person, people, they don't want to elevate you because they don't want to put you on a stage and then you're going to be making sure things are, are kind of put right when they, they, they don't exactly want things to be that balanced. So they kind of didn't want me too far in the front as the face of the sound. But because of, of what I did with Acid House that created the youth movement that's going on today with EDM, they can't like totally just be like, okay, we're going to X them out because whenever they talk about things, they have to come to, to me and say, okay, and this guy here did this. Even if they want to have that go by really quickly to get back to the other stuff they want to talk about, but it has to go there at, at some point. So thankfully, because of that, I'm still greatly involved in the scene and, and on uh, the main stages and festivals and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but it's not not with the type of backing to be seen publicly or promoted in magazines the way you would see uh, most of the Europeans. And this is actually happening to most of Americans, especially Black Americans. Mm -hmm. They'll elevate some European Blacks. Oh, yeah. You well, know, but, hey, well, don't yeah. feel bad. We completely jacked drum and bass from them for a good 10 years, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, but hold up. Here's a fact. This is what, this is good that you said that. Mm -hmm. When house music first came to Europe, I, in the beginning, I thought that it happened. It blew up in the white areas, but the same thing happened. It went to the black areas in England, and they hijacked it from them. So they didn't directly find out about it from us. They found it out from black people in Europe, and then they got it from them. And then, but that story is never told. Drum and bass, that's a black scene in Europe. Yeah. That yeah. started from, from reggae and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, that, it's like, it goes hand in hand. But, you know, dubstep came out of it and all this stuff. And, and you still see that white face. You don't see them paying homage to, to us at all. So, but don't feel bad about that. You know, it all came from house music. So it, it yeah. all came back, well, it circles back where around. Where I'm from in Tampa, every, all the kids that were into drum and bass that, you know, I was white, but they were Ecuadorian, black, Jamaican. It was like a lot of different, different like yeah, yeah, people. Yeah. That was one of the things that kind of like made me not really want to be in the scene in Atlanta so much is because it was so whitewashed and it just didn't have the same yeah. numbers that it had in Florida. So that was kind well, of- it's, a, it's a weird segregation going on here. Like, like when I first, when I came here, I thought that the parties were going to be mixed, but I found out you had the, the, the white crew of house and techno and you had the black crew of house and techno, mm -hmm. but everywhere else that I usually play, especially Europe, it was always like, it wasn't like that mm -hmm. to the same, well, not to it the same like degree. That in Tampa at all. But yeah, I feel you. To be honest, I never really went to a lot of like white house events here. I only went to black ones like House on the Park and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh. Well, I, 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 I really pray that House in the Park really, uh, it's starting to grow now in terms of being more, um, it was never not inclusive, but it wasn't marketed 
in a, in an inclusive way. Mm -hmm. So to make that happen, you have you have to purposely do things to pull other people in. Like you have to say, okay, I'm going to book this guy or promote here because previously it's only been one, you know, group of people coming. So now I'm trying to expand and pull them in. So it has to be something that's done purposeful. Mm -hmm. I feel you. So as far as what's going on in the world today, did you hear that they have now arrested all of the officers? And they also charged the one, they took it from third degree murder to second degree murder. So that's a, some silver lining. Well, you know what? And, and why did that happen? That, that's what we need to, right. to realize. Like, like, we know why it happened. But to get out more to white America, we have to make sure that they understand why that happened. I know that you were talking about getting off of social media and creating our own platform. That was one of the things that we had talked about. But are there ways for us to like strategically plan what we're doing in, uh, in the future? You know what I'm saying, right? Well, I, I think that one good thing is, is to, I, I know that we have the bigger organizations supposedly delivering down a plan of, not to people individually, but I think one main issue is there's no central place in every city for uh, organization to the organic ground part at the very bottom. It's like they just know there's something going on. They're just out there. I think it needs to be like an army. You have You have the general... You have captains, you have sergeants, you have all this stuff. And you need to have someone dealing with the grassroots bottom, saying, okay, organize it. This is what we're going to do. It's going to start at this time, and we're going to end it at this time. And while we're out there, that is. don't you think huh? that person should be concealed? from? You know what? I, I think that it needs to be more of a of a, a communication system based on social media and email. Okay. And I think it doesn't have to be in in-person meetings, mm -hmm. but I, I think it would be good to do a couple of Zoom type sessions with mm -hmm. some people on the ground. And yeah, um, yeah they, may, they may need to be secured, but I think if you have enough people Mm -hmm. then it's, it's going to be like a so-called terrorist cell. But okay. I'm not saying it's got to be covert like that, but I'm saying that it has to be organized and you have to be dedicated like that. Like, it's, like to be honest, it has to be a bit of a, a, a way of life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to disrupt your, your, your personal life. It's just like, but it has to be a passion. You do your show. That's a passion. You speak about all things and, and everything and stuff like that. And I think that we will have our life where it's, we go to work, we do music, we do whatever. But at the end of the day, we all are saying, okay, but this is that thing that we got to keep going. And we implement it everywhere we can in our music, in our conversations. If you write poetry, of course, you throw it up in there. You just keep it burning, like simmering all the time keep it simmering and um the other thing is 
is I believe we need to be in more communication in terms of, of uh, in a unified manner. Like, like when we were saying like a platform, I mean, like people, we need to be part of, of one big, huge email uh, group where it's just like newsletters and everything coming out so that you're always speaking about it on anybody's platform. If, if I got a website, I'm doing whatever and I'm communicating with people through email. Mm-hmm. However, however, free, however um, often it is, once a month, whatever, I'm going to throw something in an email. Oh, by the way, this is what we're doing for whatever, whatever, or this is what's happening. This is what's going on. Just a blur to keep, keep it on thought. You know what I'm saying? And then yeah. that way, when, some, when it's time to mobilize, it's not like starting from scratch. And it's not like people are all stressed out. You know, it's like they're waiting for it. They know, okay, it's, it's time to, to do this right now. This is, you know, this, we knew that this is things that we do. Because right now, people are, are fight or flight. And I think for, for us to be healthy through this, we need to relax and be like, okay, we train, we're like trained soldiers. You know, when right. you see the soldiers, the soldiers come out there, they're not acting all like the police. Police all, <laughs> all emotional soldiers be like, okay, but they're, they're very organized and whatever. They're not getting like that. And we need to be like that. I mean, you don't want to, you want to bring some fire, but at the same time, you're going to know that, okay, they're going to do this to us. They're going to do that to us. But you know what? Words and all that stuff. I don't care about that. I'm not responding to that. I'm going to keep, I'm staying on message. They're not going to direct, get me off a message and getting me involved in other stuff that's the world is watching more so now than ever. So you know what? This is our opportunity to be like, okay, everything you thought you knew about us. No, that ain't it. This is us. And let them see us performing and acting in a manner at which we act 90% of the time. Because if you don't do that, since they've been indoctrinated with all kind of negative propaganda it's going to be easier for them to accept negative things than the positive things so we got to actually be more uh what's that word compoised what's that word when you're poised be more poised yeah Yeah. in the midst of of the craziness and be like bam i'm not saying to take junk i'm not saying that but i am saying don't be easily provoked you know, let somebody have to do some work to provoke you. Yeah, because imagine if we planned more nationwide protests in three or four hundred different cities, and it was strategically planned in a certain type of way. This is one of the things that Ogechi was talking about. She said, could you imagine if there was some type of, like, plan behind everything? Just like, for example, in World War II, the Americans, they specifically knocked out all the ball bearing factories in different parts of Germany because Germans, they needed those ball bearing factories to be able to produce weapons and tanks and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so I think that you think that things need to be more strategically planned. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And we need to be in touch with people in Europe just mm-hmm. to be like, yo, I see you. Because mm-hmm. when you do that, that's going to motivate them to be even more involved. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, how do you feel about what's going on in Syria? Don't they have a lot of stuff that's going on still over there that's 
horrendously worse than anything that we could imagine. Funny thing is, the stuff that's going on over there, it's almost like, it's almost like how we are about what happens to us every day. Right. You just know you're going to be dealing with it. And some jokers be like, it'd be like stuff blowing up. It'd be, you know, bombs and junk. And they'd be like, okay, the bombs are starting again. Okay, uh, we got to, you know, try the kids. Come on inside. <laughs> kids even outside. <laughs> like, they get in the house. You know, they blowing up stuff right now. <laughs> you know? But, yeah, that's unfortunate. And the thing is, it's, I don't know what it would feel like to be dealing with this stuff from my own people. That must be extremely difficult to even comprehend or connect to. Because when it's, when it's like, I mean, since we grew up with this, we can really only imagine it coming from another race. Mm-hmm. But when it's just strictly government and you, factions of different belief systems and you, it, but you're all the same people, I think I'll be really angry. Yeah, I see Because why I'm angry at my own people when I see them doing stupidness. Like, what the heck? I'm like, why, why are you doing that? <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it's, it's going to be, diff- uh, it's probably very extremely difficult over there. But I haven't really had much contact with anyone in that area in, I would say, about eight months. Okay. Yeah, it's been it's been a while since we have either. I know that my family in Florida, they were um, housing Syrian refugees in their Airbnb for a while, too. So we've definitely done what we can as a family to try to help people and stuff, you know. So I guess moving forward, I think that it's time for people to just kind of, do you, I think so. Tell me if you agree, if you think that it's time just to maybe take a couple of days of break of social media and stop consuming yourself with all of these images. That's what I was going to, I was just going to speak about that. Like, okay. I, I think that um, you lose perspective when um, all that you're getting inside, all that you're eating is toxic, it, which means that's going to make you feel like the whole world hates you. And I think we need to, to have a balanced middle of of what the thoughts are out there. So we're getting a lot of stuff that's amping us up. But you got to be like a boxer in the ring. Anger makes you less focused. Someone can use that against you. So you need to be more in control. And you need to understand the tactics that are out there being used against you and know that everybody ain't trying to kill you. That doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. most people ain't trying to kill you, but you know what? It's not everybody. And when you know that, then you still have a a place inside to not feel despair. Because when you feel despair, you will, you will end up acting out. And in, in some ways I think it's overpowering the amount of information that's coming out that can add to someone feeling great despair. Mm-hmm. So be purposeful and find the other information that can edify you and lift you up so that you know that, you know what, this is working. It is doing something. And these people, they out there with us. 
Yeah. And one then thing, you can move forward in a healthy way. Yeah. And one thing that when we had talked previously about doing this interview was that you made sure to talk about the white people from the civil rights movement that gave up their lives and sacrificed everything and how important it is for black people to embrace those people that would that are willing Absolutely. to die for them. I, I think we need to the ones that are out there honestly supporting us, I think we also have to rally around them. Because what happens is they're gonna be alienated <clears throat> alienated from their whole social circle. Mm -hmm. Which is gonna mean that they they're going to go through things when they go home, whereas we go home and we have our people around us to edify us and support us and to make us feel better about what we, what we went through during the day. They're not going to have that. Right. They're going to have people bashing them. Well, why are you doing? Uh, that's terrifying. Uh, do you, but do you seriously really think that, you know, you need to be really doing all that? You know, they're going to get all of that nonsense. I wish it were that nice. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, those the those those are the, the the people that are. It might start out like that, but you know how people be trying to s s covertly diss what you're doing. Oh, like, you know they're like they're supporting it. When you're a woman, the only thing they can't get off of the fact that some. Oh, it's hard. I don't want to like be not. You know. Um, I might be kind of, I feel like I'm kind of prude right now, but they can't get fixated <laughs> off the fact that a woman has sex with black men and not white men. Oh, that's all that no, they focus they, on. And they, that's it. Like that's all that there is for them. They're so shallow. Well, the thing is, is we got to realize that, well, we realize it, but we need to, to connect to the fact that they have an, an inherent issue of us dating the white woman, but they have first exploited and raped the black woman. So they have a, a, an inferior complex that if a white woman gets with a black man, I mean, you know how the story goes. They feel like, oh yeah, once well, they go black, and then they're gonna feel like, oh, they're gonna think they're they're better than us, and 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 they're worried that. The race, their race is going to disappear, actually. Because when you get, when a black person mixed with a white person, if everybody black was messing with white people, we wouldn't be with no more white people. They like, I'm just saying that, like, they're not going to come out white no more. They're going to be coming out. And that's <laughs> not the way that genetics color. works, anyways. And I don't think that they understand how many different people are on the planet and that have lived on the planet. It's like an unfathomable number. So their thinking yeah. is just way too small. So I don't know what's what up with that. But it's like, yeah, it's, I just say be more creative. Thing. I'm like, that's all you can say to me? You know? <laughs> <laughs> they need to get outside of the US. When I first went to Europe, I seen, and, and this is 1990, mm -hmm. I seen mixed couples, like it was normal. In the 1990, I was like, dang. I said, that's a, that's a, wow, that's a lot of black and white people together. Like, it was, it was like culture shock for me. Mm. But then over the years, it caused me to abandon certain th issues I've had. See, the thing is, when you get out of the U.S., you can see the U.S. for what it is. And then you look, you're like, okay, that's just the U.S. 
So they had us all jacked up in the head. But most people think about it. They have not really traveled the world like that to mm. get proper information. Any information they're getting is being fed to them through a system of uh, proper propaganda. Before we get out of here, just make sure that you tell everybody where they can follow you at and how they can reach out to you on social media. All right, on Instagram is uh, at DJ Pierre, DJ P-I-E-R-R-E, future, P-H-U-T-U-R-E. That's Instagram. Facebook is the same thing, DJ Facebook.com forward slash DJ Pierre future. So definitely. And uh, this is my logo right here. Will you ever see this? That's me. Well, thank you so much for coming. We appreciate your activism. We appreciate you for participating in Rugo Radio. And you know what? I appreciate you for rolling with us. Oh, yeah. You know it. For life.